Well, good morning, Sanctus Church. Can you believe it's already fall? Can you believe that September is, well, basically over? It's such a weird season. Last week, Dave and I gave an update on what we're going to try to do as a church in the short term and the medium term, not just to survive, but to thrive in this ongoing semi-lockdown, culturally difficult moment. And by the way, if you did not listen last week, you weren't with us or you didn't access online, please go back. It's so important that you hear what we said last week as we move together in this very uncomfortable season. But now I want to sort of move from a whole church view to a deeply personal view. Once a year around this time, I'll get up and I will preach a sermon that I've preached verbatim so many times before. And people always say, John, why the same sermon? Are you getting a little lazy just trying to repeat an old sermon? No, 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 no. There's actually a reason why I do this. First, many of you have joined us within the last year and you've worshiped with us and been with us physically and virtually. Actually, amazingly, I was thinking about this this week. Some of you who now call Sanctus Church your home have never been in one of our permanent locations and yet you're now part of us. So for all of you that are new in this season, no matter when you joined us, virtually or physically, this is one of these sermons that is so significant and it's gonna become clear that church that you're checking out or this church that you actually have joined is one of those churches. This is going to clarify what you've joined or what you're thinking of joining. Second, in this semi-lockdown moment, in this ongoing COVID-19 moment, all of us need to ask, what does discipleship even look like now? What's changed? What's adjusted? What's new? What's not new? What's on the table? And actually, what's not on the table? Thirdly, we need to do this just because it's needed. It's like looking at the scale in your bathroom. I don't know about you. We've been in COVID land a long time. And I think a lot of us have looked at the scale and maybe not wanted to necessarily get on it. But we all need to face the music because we need to know where we're really at. See, it doesn't matter what you weighed a month ago or a year ago. And, and weighing yourself once isn't enough. You need to find out where you are Today, right now, what's reality? Good, amazing, not so good, or ah, bad. So this is our yearly checkup. This is our yearly weigh-in. It's the honest conversation we get to have with God and ourselves, and then eventually in connect groups with others to really identify where we are in our spiritual lives. Okay, so let's start with the obvious question I do every single year. Why does every church on earth exist? Why does Sanctus Church exist? Why do we do all we do? And the answer is simple, and it's summarized in our mission statement. To glorify God, start with God, by enabling people of all ages to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And then every year I ask this question, okay, well, what do you mean by fully devoted? What does a fully devoted follower of Jesus really look like? You could put that on Instagram or a bumper sticker, and isn't that nice, but what does it actually mean? And see, the problem is we're all coming from different places. So some of you are seekers or skeptics, or you're a brand new Christian. So you've got no starting point at all. Others of us have been walking with Jesus well for years, and we might have some key ideas. Others of us actually have come from other Christian communities that use different words for the same thing. When you arrive here, you use them. We don't. It causes confusion and possibly even disunity by mistake. So if you hang out with us even for more than a year, you'll realize we work hard in this church on what we call common scripting. 
So we use the same language for the same thing. So we can all walk together in the same direction with the same understanding as we personally and as a church follow Jesus, the author, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. We need to stop and ask again, well, what is a follower of Jesus, let alone a fully devoted follower of Jesus? Now, you might know this, some of you might not. The original word for us was not Christian. That was an insult used against us, little Christ, little Christ. And before that, we were called followers of the way. But the original name for us was just disciple, disciple of Yeshua, of Jesus. Now, disciple has become a churchy word. It's an ancient word. And many of us that have done church for a while don't even really know what it means. So every year when I preach this sermon, I quote a guy named Ray Vanderlyn. And I love what he does because he gives the Jewish context that we need. He said, like other rabbis of his day, Jesus had disciples. The disciples' deepest desire was to follow their rabbi so closely, they'd start to think and act like him. They were devout followers, probably in their mid-teens, and gifted students would approach a religious teacher, a rabbi, and ask, may I follow you? In effect, saying, do I have what it takes to be like you? And the rabbi would either accept the student and call him disciple or her disciple or send them away to pursue a trade. So Jesus broke the pattern when he chose his own disciples. He asked his disciples to follow him. They knew without a doubt that their rabbi believed in them. So a disciple would follow a rabbi everywhere, often without knowing or asking where they were even going. He rarely left a rabbi's side for fear that they'd miss that teachable moment. The disciples' deepest desire was to follow their rabbi so closely that they'd start to think like him and act like him. Ray Vanderland basically said in another part or another book, they walked so closely to the rabbi, they wanted to be covered in the dust of the rabbi. So in other words, no personal space, and absolutely no COVID protocols here, right here. So if we're going to follow Jesus that closely, to be like him, to be covered in his dust, to think like him and act like him, presuming, of course, you have accepted him as Savior, leader, and Lord, repented of your sins, and of course, trusted in him as the Son of God, the only way to heaven. Then the question we need to ask as Christians, as disciples, as followers of the way is, well, where can I find Jesus? Because supposedly he's physically alive. He's risen from the dead. So if I need to keep following him in my life, how do I get covered in his dust? Where are the environments where I can be transformed by him? In other words, like I say every year, are there guaranteed places of encounter between me or us and ordinary people and Jesus? If I walk in certain environments, if I do walk in certain places or do certain practices, then will I always find the living Jesus? Is that even a right expectation? And the answer is yes. Thank God. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He, he is everywhere. But he comes palpable in certain environments. He can be encountered. And this sets godly biblical expectation. And, and this matters in this COVID moment. This truth transcends gender or age or educational level. This transcends my preference about size or style of church. This goes beyond, do I like the worship style of a church? Do I like who's preaching today? Do I like who the pastor is or, or how they dress? See, it sets biblical expectation beyond everything. Even in COVID, when we cannot meet together, when I feel isolated, when I'm alone, the Bible says what is happening is happening, whether I feel it or not. And, and, and in this case, like in all cases, truth must be stronger and more informing than my experiences. I think we'd all say that in the last six months, a lot of our experiences have become stronger 
than God's truth. I can say what I'm about to preach is true. It's guaranteed. And that changes everything. Size of church does not matter. Who's more gifted does not matter. Who's got the money does not matter. How I'm feeling today in this season, up or down, in lockdown, important, not to be dismissed, but does not matter in the truest sense. Now, I know many of us have heard this many times before, but this is crucial to who we are and what we do as a church. So let me ask the question once again. Where are the environments that we must walk in to be covered in the dust of Jesus? Well, there are multiple guaranteed places where you can get covered in that dust to be so close to him. The first guaranteed place of encounter is the actual proclaiming of the good news, the gospel. Paul wrote this in Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is, it is the power of God for salvation for whoever believes, first for Jews and then non-Jews. The word power is where we get our English word dynamite from. So the gospel has pure power. It's dynamic. It's life-giving. It's the place where the Holy, Spring, Holy Spirit brings all of God the Father's election all of his calling, and all the work of Jesus, past, present, future, right into an individual's life. In other words, the Holy Spirit is always around, below, behind, above the giving of the gospel. And that means Jesus is there because the Holy Spirit brings the presence of Jesus. He's the Spirit of Christ. So no matter the results, if someone says yes or no to the gospel, that's actually not the criteria if he's in the room. When you proclaim the good news of Jesus, you're not alone. Jesus is in the room. And by the way, ask yourself this question. Can I share the good news of Jesus during COVID? Yes. Invite your friends to Alpha Online. Jesus is present. Sit six feet apart and have a coffee together and share the good news of Jesus. The more you share the gospel, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, him as the savior of the world, the only one who can forgive sins, the more you will be around Jesus. The second guaranteed place of encountering God is the scriptures, the Bible, the word of God. It is a guaranteed place of encounter between God and his people. The Holy Spirit is always present, always overshadowing these words. Remember what Paul wrote, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching us, rebuking us, correcting us, training us in holiness, righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Holy Spirit is always about leading us into God's truth and the holy faith passed down. So where is Jesus' teaching found? Where are all of God's stories and thoughts and revelations and promises and commands? Where is what we call the apostolic teaching found? In the Bible, in the scriptures, in the written word of God. See, the Holy Spirit is not only the one who leads us and teaches us, he's actually the author of the scriptures. Yeah, yeah, there's 66 books and written over thousands of years and all these different cultural backgrounds, but behind the diversity, there's unity because there's really only one real author. That's why he's called the spirit of truth. There's unity in the scriptures if you watch for it. Like I've shared every year, in my mind, the image I have is the Holy Spirit is always hovering over the scriptures, speaking and pointing and, and illuminating. And you cannot divorce the written word from the living word spirit. And you can never understand the scriptures without its author. So can you read the scriptures during COVID? In this lockdown moment? Yes, you can. We have more access to the Bible virtually and physically than we have ever had in history. And the more you read the scripture, the more you'll be around and you'll hear from Jesus. The third guaranteed place of encounter, of course, is spiritual disciplines. And as I've taught many times, spiritual disciplines are the only 
ongoing place of transformation after you meet God through Jesus. Holy habits keep the relationship healthy and balanced and alive. Jesus used these to walk with the Father. So to be like Jesus, you have to walk like Jesus did, to share in his lifestyle. They provide the ongoing dynamic in our positional upstairs reality that Jesus has already bought for us. They also allow us to have a common script when it comes to spiritual growth. If we're all doing the same practices, we can talk together. So simplicity and confession of sin and prayer and fasting and service and solitude and silence and studying God's word. We just finished weeks and weeks of this conversation. And if you weren't with us, go back and listen to the podcast on on the spiritual practices. You'll know what they look like, feel like, how to practice them. And, And let me just say this. The more you practice the spiritual disciplines as a Christian, the more you'll be with Jesus and the more you'll be covered in his dust. The fourth area of guaranteed encounter is spiritual gifts. Why? (laughs) Because spiritual gifts are the only ongoing, guaranteed place of heaven-given power to do God's work. Jesus used spiritual gifts. And since we're called the body of Christ, we're given together the same gifts to imitate and to act and, and be like Jesus and be near Jesus. You personally won't have all 21 gifts, nor will I, but we're all called to have the fruit of the Spirit. What you're born with, natural gifts, and what you learn, learn gifts, are good and can be used for God's kingdom, but but they are not guaranteed places of supernatural power, nor, by the way, are our church programs. The Holy Spirit's presence is guaranteed every time we use a God-given spiritual gift because they are the God-given place of service and they need His power to be in the room for them to even be there. If Jesus' Spirit is not in the room, the gifts aren't in the room. It matters so much. Another guaranteed place of encounter is gathered worship, what we're doing virtually today. When we sing, when we listen to God's word, when we take communion, when we give, we enter right into God's holy presence with all the angels and actually with all those people who've already died that are in Jesus's presence. Actually, if we walked into this environment without the covering of Jesus, we would die. We're in the presence of God right now. Did you say this before you came to worship today? Right now, feeling it or not, experiencing it or not, God is among us and we're in the holy place of God. John, hold on, hold on. Even in my pajamas, watching this on iPad, yep. Even in my apartment, just me and my roommate, yep. Just me and my family sitting here awkwardly singing along and two kids yelling over SpongeBob, yep. Yes, yes, yes again. What does the Bible teach? The Psalm says in Psalm 22, 3, you are holy, you inhabit the praises of Israel. James says, if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. We host his presence as we gather. Why? Paul said what we as Christians amazingly have replaced the Jewish temple. He says every Christian on earth is a literal temple of the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus say? Where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. But John, some of you are saying in this season of COVID, I've been all alone. Not two or three, nothing. So it doesn't apply to me. Well, actually, it even applies to you. Look up and hear the word of God today. We're all connected. Theologians call this the mystical body of Christ. Every Christian, like I shared, is called the temple of the Holy Spirit. So even if you're alone, isolated by yourself, sick or not sick, when you worship with a screen because of COVID, you're not only joining all of Sanctus Church, you're joining every Christian in Indonesia, every Christian in China, every Christian who gathered in Germany today, every single Christian in America, everyone in Ecuador. You are connected to the global church. You are not alone. You are not alone. Another guaranteed place of encountering God is what we did last week, communion. 
Do we believe Jesus is in the elements? Not at all. Do we believe, though, in bare memorial that we just celebrate something historically and just remember? Not at all. Uh, the Lord's Supper, communion, Eucharist, the breaking of bread is multifaceted. Of course, it's a place of remembrance. It says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, 26, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We remember. But it's more than remembrance. Think about the word communion. Communion means you commune with someone. So who are we communing with? Well, we're communing with each other and we're communing with Jesus because he's alive and among us. We're not called to be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. And this meal, no matter where it's hosted, no matter in what environment, over your kitchen table, right? It is the present, sorry, it is where Jesus is present. He hosts the meal. It's where we declare and know God's peace and grace through Jesus and his spirit. The juice and bread aren't Jesus. They focus us. But it is a place where we meet. Jesus is present. And it is a place of forgiveness. It, it, it's, it's a place where Jesus eats with sinners and reminds us that God's mercies are new, well, every morning. Then there's water baptism. Do, 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 do you believe and do we believe that we get the Holy Spirit when you're water baptized or get saved by baptism? Not at all. But we, we do believe the Holy Spirit is close every single time someone goes public with their faith. Of course. The image, of course, again, we use here all the time is water baptism is when you put on the wedding ring during the vows. The groom is always present when the vows are taking place. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And by, by the way, I'm just going to stop. Whether you're watching us live now or watching us online later on demand or on the podcast, if you have not been baptized, we need to hear from you. Because even during this COVID moment, we are going to initiate conversations about how we can do this. So many of you have not obeyed yet, and this is a guaranteed place of encounter. The last, by the way, guaranteed place of encounter is suffering for the sake of the gospel. When you say no to what you want or what you desire or what your heart or, or what you think you want to do, and the scriptures call it sin and you say no, that's suffering for the gospel. When you are marginalized or, or, or mocked or attacked for being a Christian, this actually is a place where Jesus shows up. I mean, Peter put it best in 1 Peter 2, 21, and we're going to talk about this more even next week. To this you were called because Jesus suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Suffering for Jesus is an average Christian experience, not the sort of unique experience. Paul put this at the end of his life where he was writing Philippians, the great epistle of joy. And he said in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings. The gospel, the scriptures, Spiritual discipline, spiritual gifts, worship, communion, baptism, suffering for Jesus. These are all the places where you commune with Jesus, you walk with Jesus, you're covered in his dust. Oh, salvation's never earned by these things. You don't do all these things and God goes, oh my goodness, look how religious you are, I need to get to know you. No, no, this happens after you've been saved. And after you've been saved, the Holy Spirit takes you to Jesus, Jesus takes you to the Father in these environments. This is how, again, we choose to be coated in the dust of Jesus. But the role of personal holiness is critical. The power and the person you meet when you walk in these environments can be grieved. 
And the power in his presence can be muted or dampened, not removed. Uh, Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you've been sealed for the day of redemption. When we as Christians sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit. The gifts don't disappear. They just dim in power. When we grieve the Holy Spirit, the spiritual practices, we could still fast or pray or read God's word or celebrate, but, but we're actually grieving the person we're coming to meet. It becomes powerless. So don't grieve him because he's actually the one that meets us in every guaranteed area. And he's the one who takes us to Jesus. Okay. Now we know what a disciple is and where to find the person we're trying to imitate, to think and be like. Now let's review what discipleship looks like at Sanctus Church specifically. Let's again hear the language as we move forward together. One understanding, one common script, moving together as more devoted followers of Jesus. But this is not just about common language. Every year, in a very simple, real, and honest way, I can, you can, we can personally evaluate where we really are. Am I even a disciple? And if I am a disciple, where am I on the journey? Where was I last September? Where am I now? Where was I just before COVID? <laughs> where am I post or in the middle of COVID, I should say? And please make the needed connection. I just need to rest on this for a moment. Everything I'm about to say, how we define discipleship, is rooted on and the presupposition is in the guaranteed places of encounter. Everything we do that we encourage you to do is based on being in the presence of Jesus. You can be transformed, so we can be transformed. So we use five phrases in this church just to summarize all of this. Celebrate big, connect small, walk with Jesus, share the work, engage in mission. Celebrate big. We believe in celebrating God big together. We, we see in the very early church that the Christian community regular met, regularly met in the temple courts, three to 5,000 people. And like the early church, we rally, we love, we're drawn together. We're preaching and teaching and worship and prayer and giving and communion are all done to encounter God and to keep us going. Whether we're going through a great season or a terrible season, we gather together. And why? Because Jesus is among us when we gather. And actually so many of the guaranteed places of encounter are actually summarized and brought together in this space. Now, celebrate big in this season, like Dave and I said half-jokingly last week, is sort of like celebrate big-ish. In our homes with family or with roommates, in the short or, or maybe medium term, depending on what happens with COVID, we'll be launching house sites, right? And that will be a celebrate big moment that's different than a connect group. And then, of course, our goal is to open permanent sites again. Now, why does this matter? Well, like I shared a few weeks ago, one out of three regular churchgoers during this COVID moment has just stopped going to church. Not people who come on Easter and Christmas alone. Like people who came regularly, one out of three just checked out of church. And so celebrate big matters more at this moment, not less. Because if you or your roommate or your family get in the habit of not going now when it's difficult, let me reassure you something. You will not go later. The escape or boredom of vice now will become habit later. And you will not only walk away from the holy faith in many ways, actually you will threaten generations behind you. I saw this as a youth pastor all the time. When parents or grandparents made the decision not to make Celebrate Big significant, their children and grandchildren imitated them. Don't abandon the gathering of community. Second of all, connect small. We read this in Acts 2.46. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They did life together, sharing, eating, helping, having close relationships, talking, praying. The same is true for us. Connect small is as, is as important as celebrate big. 
It's where someone notices where you are spiritually, cares when a tough thing happens. You talk about the sermon, you pray with each other, you build relationships. It's unpacking how Jesus is doing in your life. Now, why do we do this? Well, Jesus regularly was involved in small group activities. Now, that's why here we have doubled down on this. Alpha, freedom sessions, and connect groups. Alpha, where you check out the Christian faith or you invite someone to do that. Freedom sessions, where in a small group, you get healed from all the stuff in your history. And connect groups, where you discuss the sermon, someone knows where you are, and you encourage each other other on the discipleship journey. And in this season, more than ever, This is a time where we need to connect small. If there's another massive wave or two waves, you need your people and your people need to be followers of Jesus. And and by the way, you can sign up today. Today, you can join a connect group. And it's so important you do that. Uh, The third way we talk about discipleship is walking with Jesus personally. We see in the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Sanctus Church, we can provide connect groups and teaching and worship and serving opportunities and global experiences, but we cannot force you to spend time with Jesus personally. We all have to take personal responsibility for our own walk with Jesus. We believe that the spiritual disciplines, like reading scripture and prayer and meditation in a biblical way and solitude, are these guaranteed places of encounter. So the ongoing rhythm between you and Jesus is critical. Reading your Bible, praying, listening to the Father like Jesus did. When you regularly walk with Jesus, it's not always fire from heaven. Sometimes it's boring. Sometimes you have to literally, spiritually discipline yourself to do this. But in the long term, just like exercise, just like marriage, just like good relationships, as you invest long term, your life will be radically transformed. We want to encourage you to walk with Jesus personally. And why? Because Jesus did this With the Father, Jesus was among huge groups, Jesus hung out with 12 people, and Jesus regularly was alone with the Father. So if we want to be covered in his dust, we've got to do big well, small well, and personal well. This is imitating Jesus. Then there's share the work. And like we preach here all the time, and by the way, if you've never listened to this, go back and listen to the Spiritual Gift series, because in that we walk through every gift, what it feels like, what it looks like, how God has gifted you, it will help you identify it. But Jesus has actually given through his spirit under God's ordination, all of us, at least one spiritual gift. And when you use spiritual gift, you get to serve God in a guaranteed place of power. You'll get joy that's deeper than happiness. Burnout in ministry will drop because actually the well you're accessing is deeper than you. And not only that, the comparison thing is ripped away. I don't have to be like you. You don't need to be like me. Sharing the work is not about independence or dependence, but interdependence and mutual submission. And why? Because Jesus himself was not just our Savior and Lord alone. He was our model. And he used spiritual gifts. And so to be like him, to be covered in the dust like him, we have to also not just do the disciplines he did, but we need to use the spiritual gifts he used. And you can even use spiritual gifts, of course, during this COVID season. Different ways, but absolutely. The last is engage in mission. This is how we talk about evangelism and giving and local and global experiences. And all of those three things are rooted in one word, generosity. The description of Jesus's life, if you read it, and the early church was marked by generosity. And how are we generous? We're generous first and foremost when we actually share the good news of Jesus. That is how we engage in mission. We declare 
the good news of Jesus. How are we generous? We're generous with our finances. We to use the old language. We tithe, at, which is 10%, and then offerings above and beyond. We are serious about giving because we know that when we give to a local church, it touches the world, it touches our community, and it's also worship to God. And, and, and not only giving and good news, that's why we intentionally moved to do this thing called partnerships, where we have long-term relationships with partners locally and, and globally. So we we can learn from them. They can learn from us. And we can see the kingdom of God grow in so many different areas. In this COVID moment, this generosity is so critical and key. By the way, not one of our local or global partners have been cut during this very tough time because this church has been so generous. Because you've continued to engage in mission this way, the staff have been able to move our whole church virtual and also prepare for our God-given future. Now, I I I need to say this. Our giving, though, is up and down, and we need, at this moment, to be very consistent in our generosity, engaging in mission. We need to share the good news of Jesus. We need to keep giving financially so we can continue to survive, then thrive in this moment, and come out on the other side ready to take more hills, not less. And not only that, we need to continue to encourage our local partners and our global partners in Uganda and Bangladesh and in India so they can continue to declare the good news of Jesus in their own environment. Now, don't misunderstand. What I just took you through, these dimensions are not some to-do checklist. They're designed as a continuum where, continuum where we can always walk closer to Jesus. Remember, this is about love first and discipline and duty second. This is why years ago we chose one simple idea, one image, one icon that's immensely helpful. And we want every person in our church to understand this Actually, it's so simple, you can draw it on a napkin in less than six seconds. So I'm just going to ask, the image is going to come up now, you're all going to see it. There it is. And this image we've been using for years now actually is you. <laughs> it's, it's me. This is the way we personally self-assess where I am spiritually. So let me explain the icon, and then we're going to do something together. The more active you are in one of those five discipleship dimensions the further away you are from the center. So let's say celebrate big. And you've been like, actually, I've been coming to church every single week and I've made it a priority. So if this is the center and this is the spoke, you're going to put the dot way out here. But let's say you have not participated in celebrating, sorry, in connecting small at all, then you're going to put it really close to the center. See, you should be able to see your spiritual shape in a minute, where you're strong, where you're medium, and actually where you're weak. And and as you fill this out, it's really important because it gives you a visual understanding of where you are. And every year, here's what we encourage you to do. Every year, we ask you, no matter who you are, no matter how long you've known Jesus, to choose one or two dimensions to grow in this year, because we know you can't grow in all of them, and to make them a priority and focus on them this year. So then the question you're probably asking is, okay, John, how are we all filling this out uh, during lockdown? Because you're taping this and we're somewhere else. Okay, so this morning... Our whole church, if you in our database, received an email with this in it. And you can actually fill this out online. You can go online right now, open that email, and you can actually do the assessment and see where you are. But not only that, there's a way to send it into the church. Why do we want you to send it in? Because what we not only want you to do is understand where you're at, we want to build the shape of our whole church. Because then as a pastoral staff and as elders, we'll see where we're doing really well 
and we're not doing really well as a church. And we'll see even where COVID has affected our discipleship experience. So we want you to do that. Now you might say, actually, I, I didn't receive that email or uh, I, maybe I'm not in your database. Well, first of all, would you reach out and say, I go to Sanctus Church, I really need the information. That would be profoundly helpful to us. Hello at sanctuschurch.com is how you can do that. But right now, if you're watching this live, there are pastors and hosts, and they will be posting it in the online chat right now, and you can access it and fill it out. And if you're watching this on demand later, uh, it's going to be connected to the podcast, and you can find it there and actually fill it out there. We want this to be so accessible, and here's the reason why. Because every single person needs to do the (laughs) weigh-in, needs to do the checkup to visually see where they are so each one of us can choose One or two environments we're going to grow in this coming year, no matter what happens with COVID or what happens with elections, what happens financially, we're going to do this because the more we personally commit to growing with Jesus and being covered in his dust, the more the whole church is affected because the closer we all are to Jesus and the more we're all growing, the greater the love and holiness grows in our church, which actually leads to impact in society. So this is critically important. Number one, are you a disciple? Number two, do you actually believe there are guaranteed places of encounter to walk with Jesus? I mean, not intellectually. Do you believe it? Do you live your life that way? Do you make sure that you're giving time to be in those environments? How are you doing in one of those five environments or all five of those environments? What does your spiritual shape look like right now? Where do you want to be by Christmas? Where do you want to be by Easter? Where do you want to be by this time next year? So I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to ask you to fill out those forms to evaluate, to pray into your own walk, and then send them in. So thanks, God, that you sent Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, you were willing to come. And thanks, you're not just our Savior and our leader, but you're our model. Thanks, Holy Spirit, you give us the power to be like Jesus and be with us, be like Jesus, and allow us to be with Jesus. So we just pray over this discipleship moment that each one of us would evaluate, that there would be no condemnation, that there would be uh, um, no anger as we fill this out, but we just see where we are and where we need to grow. Holy Spirit, would you actually tell us where we really are at? Because we can even deceive ourselves. Help the church to know its shape and help us to move forward. So help us to become more fully devoted followers of Jesus this year. We ask this in Jesus' name and we all said together, amen. So glad that you're hanging out with us today. Encouraged that you're going to take the time to do this spiritual act. And next week, we're starting our main series out of 2 Timothy. And remember, like I shared at the beginning of this ministry year, why it's so amazing God's invited us into this? Because 2 Timothy is Paul's last book. It's his literally last words about living faithful when he's sitting in a brutal prison. And I'm telling you, 2 Timothy is so helpful for us sitting in this lockdown moment because he's going to show us what it looks like to really genuinely not only thrive, but be faithful in this difficult moment. Can't wait to see you next week. God bless you as you continue to follow Jesus in this moment. See you next week.